Welcome to A Great Light, the radio ministry of Pastor Larry Sterling, East Point Church of God. We invite you to join us in a service soon. We're located at 379 Avenue A, East Point, Florida. Our service times are 11 a.m. and 6 p.m. on Sundays and 7 p.m. on Wednesdays. We pray that this week's message inspires you to shine the light of Christ to those around you. It is very simple and it is real and it's true. Jesus lived a perfect life. He died the death of a sinner even though he was without sin. He rose again on the third day and he ascended to the right hand of the Father. And he is right now beside the Father interceding for you and me. This is the gospel of the kingdom. It is the message that we have been preaching and teaching for two thousand years. It is a message that is is real and true. And if you have your Bibles on your lap there or look on the screen, Matthew 28 is that passage that describes the moment that we are celebrating this day, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The Bible says, now after the Sabbath, as the first day of the week began to dawn, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat on it. His countenance was like lightning and his clothing was as white as snow. And the guards shook for fear of him and became like dead men. But the angel answered and said to the woman, do not be afraid for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here for he is risen. As he said, come and see the place where the Lord lay. The Bible says, and go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. And indeed, he is going before you in Galilee. And there you will see him. Behold, I have told you. What is fascinating about this passage to me, what jumps off the page to me, is there's this little story about the guards shaking in fright. If I, it, it amazes me because you got to understand who these guards were. The Bible tells us that the, that the Pharisees and the scribes and the people that were in control of the time period of Jerusalem, the, the government, so, you, so to speak, they were corrupt and they were controlling everything that was happening around. And what was happening is that they saw that Jesus as somebody that was just challenging their, their power, challenging their rule. So what they did is they created an atmosphere by which Jesus would be killed. They, they sought with, through subterfuge and other means trying to make certain that Jesus would die. And they, they, they planned a plot. They had seen Jesus come through the city, riding on a donkey, thus fulfilling the prophecy of the coming king as the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And because he was announcing himself as king in Jerusalem, they knew their days as rulers were limited and numbered, and they were scared that they were going to lose their authority in the area and be kicked out and worse, be executed for, for, for what they had done to the temple. You see, Jesus, as I said last week, his first step going into the temple was walking in there and 
literally cleaning it out. He cleaned out the temple. He, he kicked over their stands. He kicked over everything they'd done because they had corrupted the house of God. And then he spent the next several, several days teaching in the temple. And I told you that this is a parallel to, to where we understand today that right before Christ comes again, we would hope and pray that there would be a revival that would sweep through the land at one last time before every before Christ comes again that we would see the hand of God move across this world and that was last week so the plot goes on you find them they 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 say this man Jesus he's going to take everything from us he has to die there is no if ands or buts so they 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 plot with all those around how can we do it and so they they create this atmosphere of lies they get false testimonies and people that were that were around him and they they were looking at things that the that, that were trying to accuse him of, of being somebody that he was not and trying to make him and they challenged him in the temple so they would have witness and person after person, they, Jesus would put them down and put them down and put them down and overcome them through his word and his knowledge of what he was saying. And so when we get to, finally, we get to the moment that Judas betrays Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. They take him at night because they can't take him by trial during the day. Because if they took him by trial during the day, then what would happen is that the people would have come out to that trial and they would have overcame them because they would have said that this trial was a mockery, it's a sham, it's a fraud, because he didn't do the things they said he did. And so as it moves even further on, so the trial, they come to him at night, they capture him in the garden, they take him from, they take him to each of the ruling authorities, accusing him of these lies and bringing these false witnesses to verify what their, their false statements were about. And ultimately, at the, at the last moment, Jesus is put to death. He refuses to defend himself. Why? Because he has a mission that goes beyond what their mission is. He has a mission that goes beyond what you and I would even imagine. You see, those people were looking for somebody to come in and change their community and change their their kingdom, literally, and give Israel back to the people. They were ready to have their kingdom back. They were ready to have their country back. They were ready to have all the things back that they had known and understood and that Rome was in control and they were scared of the Roman soldiers. You see, what the Bible doesn't tell you is that history tells us is that right around the time of Jesus, you get an inkling of this, when, the, when Herod the Great sent into Bethlehem these soldiers to kill all those babies. Well, there was also an uprising that happened shortly thereafter, and literally there was a guy that came upon the scene, according to historians that are extra biblical, that, came, that claimed to be the Messiah. And as he claimed to be the Messiah, the, the Rome came down and literally wiped them out. The, the history tells us that the road up and down the streets going to Rome, literally from Jerusalem rather, they were lined with crucifixes. They were lined with crosses, with people being crucified up and down those streets. This is the atmosphere that Jesus grew up in. He grew up in, around all these mighty, mighty soldiers. They were scared that this man Jesus was going to do the same thing. And they were frightened about what he was doing. Because not only did not only was he saying he was Messiah, he was proving he was Messiah by his power, by his work, and by his might. And they were deathly afraid of him. 
And ultimately, we know later history tells us that 35 years after Jesus ascended, that Rome, uh, Rome came in and destroyed Jerusalem. But here's the point of what I'm getting at. These soldiers were awesome. These guys were the fightingest guys of that atmosphere. These were not wimps. These were not chickens. These were not people that you would look at and you would say that you would, if he was walking by you with a sword, you wouldn't go up there and pick a fight with him. Because if you picked a fight with him, you're going to die. It's as simple as that. They held the power, and if you fought them, he took you out. These guys were mighty. When they walked by, people, people looked the other way. They didn't want attention. They didn't want anything to do with them. If you would imagine our army right now, the best of the best of, of our special forces, these are the guys that were trained. I mean, these guys would come down in, 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 in groups, and they would literally have these squadrons together, and they would all have these shields together, and they moved as one. And whenever they moved, they would wipe out everything that was around them. When Rome was mighty as it was, there was no one, no, no city, no state, no country that would even come close to stopping them. What is the, what's one of my favorite stories, one of my favorite stories about Rome soldiers is that there was this country, uh, uh, there was a country in, in Africa and, that, and there was a kingdom right there. It wasn't Egypt, but it was somewhere around there. And the king was feeling his oats. You know, he had done his exercises with his people and he had gone and he had done his wor work with his soldiers and they had gone and done their marching routines and they had gone through all that they had, had planned and organized and they did their drills and they thought, man, we look good. We look great. And so what they did is they started marching and taking territory and they began to take this little town and that little town. Well, Rome saw that it was happening, but they, they weren't really interested. And, and finally, ultimately, one day, Rome, uh, one day, this guy, this king in Africa, sent uh, Caesar a special note, an email, so to speak, challenging him, saying, don't ever send another soldier back to Rome, back to Egypt, back to Africa. That gets Caesar's attention. So what does Caesar do? You think, what does he do? I mean, this is, this is, this is might. He sends one soldier, not an army, not 10,000, not 5,000, not even 100. He sends one soldier. And here's his response. I demand your complete and utter surrender. And if you do not surrender, and if my soldier does not return safely within 30 days, I will kill you all. And they surrendered and 15,000 soldiers turned around while one soldier just stood there watching them march away. That's might. These guys are not wimps. These guys are not mamby-pamby people. And these are the guys that are guarding Jesus' tomb. And then God sends one angel... Well, the Bible says two, but we see this story one. And he shoots down, and he lands at that tomb. And when these soldiers look at him, 
this squadron that's guarding these guys that have put entire thousands of armies to flight. These guys that have seen infantry come in. They've seen death and they've laughed. They have gone through the processes and these are mighty warriors going after the, the kingdom for Caesar and they see one angel. They fall as dead and pretend that they're dead so they don't have to deal with him. They lose their every strength that they have. They lose all their might. They lose all their power at one angel. At one angel standing there looking at them. At one angel standing there telling them, Roll, the stone's going to be rolled away. You're going to get out of the way because these ladies here that you think are meek and mild, they're on my team and they're going to go in the tomb and they're going to take this thing and they're going to look here because they've got a message they need to deliver. I want to tell you that as a believer in Christ, you've got to recognize how much power in Christ we have as the gospel of the kingdom of God. And that the world, they like to bluster. And the world likes to show their might. And the world likes to just, likes to speak out how strong they are. But I want to tell you, all it takes is just one child of God to show up. And one moment of God, that the power of God can literally alter and change an environment, a community, a situation. You see, the story tells us that Jesus, he did not, he did not lose his life. He did not, he did not, somebody not come upon him and try to take his life. The Bible says he gave his life freely for us. He says in another place that he would have, that, that they said, why don't you call your angels? Why don't you call your army? And he says, listen, if I call me, if I call my armies, if I wanted to, I could bring the host of heaven down here and nobody would survive. Nobody would come out of this thing. So here's what I'm doing. In order for you and you and you to be able to go into that empty tomb, because he does doesn't need anybody's help to take the stone away. All he has is power. All he has is might. All he has is authority. The stone rolled away so that you and I could know that there's no one in the tomb. He got out of the tomb. Praise God. The Bible tells us that Jesus came into this world with a specific mission when he was born as i spoke to you at christmas time the heavenly host had, was surrounded his his crib where, where he was in that manger this is not as i said this is the angel armies of god are surrounding jesus they were looking at him the shepherds were quaking with fright they were seeing the heavenly armies of god surrounding jesus there wasn't anybody that was going to do anything to jesus that jesus didn't want done there wasn't anybody that was going to take anything from Jesus. There wasn't anybody that was going to destroy him. There wasn't anybody that was going to come against him and survive. In fact, that's why he lived in utter, utter confidence. And this is what you got to get today because the gospel of the kingdom is this. If God is on your side, greater is he that is in you than he that is in this world. And there's nobody that's going to do anything to you that is not according to the plan of God for your life. 
Once you take a hold of Jesus Christ, once he becomes king and Lord of your life, you've switched the side from the enemy to the side of the gospel of the kingdom. He has the peace of God. He has the might of God. He has the armies of God. And they surround him and they march beside him. And things change and situations change and lives change because the people of God listen to the voice of God. There's a story in the Old Testament that's kind of interesting. Elisha, he's picking a fight with Syria. Syrian people were pretty mad. And as he was, he kept telling everybody what, what the Syrian king was doing. And if the Syrian king kept losing. So finally the king decides he's going to take out this prophet of God. And what he does is he sends an entire army of angel, uh, sorry, entire army of soldiers to surround this prophet. One guy is going to get about five to 10,000 soldiers to surround his house and take him out. And so one morning, Elisha, his, his servant, he walks outside the door. And there in every single direction are soldiers surrounding his house. That's a bad morning. And they're coming for you. You with me? That's a bad day. You look outside your door, and everywhere you look, you got trouble. Everywhere you look, you got problems. Everywhere you look, I mean, if I could hide over here, I would, but there's somebody want to kill me there too. Everywhere he looked, there were soldiers. And the, and the Bible says, the Bible says that he comes back in and talks to Elijah, and I'm just kind of storizing it for you here. And he says, Elijah, we got problems. We got really bad problems. We're going to die. And they're not going to spare us. They're taking us out. And Elijah, I'm just making this up, but I can imagine Elisha washing dishes. I said I was making it up, God. I'm sorry. I'm just going to change that one. Elijah's occupied in the house with something I don't know. That I'm not made up. And when we, when Elisha, the servant comes to Elisha and he says, he comes to him and he says, what, what, what are we going to do, Elisha? And he looks over at him and he says, well, there's more with us than with them. And he, the servant goes, well, you haven't been outside. There's two, 10,000. And he says, no. And he says, Lord, open his eyes. And all of a sudden, this servant's eyes show, open up. And he walks outside. He sees the soldiers at this time. But behind the soldiers, they're surrounded. Why? Because there's an army of angels that are surrounding Elisha. And there, weren't, there wasn't anywhere that he could look that angels were not there. And they were surrounding Elisha. And he, was, and he said, you know what? We're going to win this day. There is more with us than with them, even though it was two. You see, what you have to understand is that this 
power of God, the gospel of the kingdom. It may seem as if your life in the world is surrounding you and you don't know what to do and you don't know where to go. Maybe your finances are in trouble. Maybe your health is in trouble. And everywhere you look, you may see, man, I don't know what to do. Well, let me tell you, God sent an angel to the tomb because he didn't need more than two. And God, all he has to do is call upon anything whatsoever and he will bring it forth to happen in your life. I'm telling you, by faith, you can see your life change. You can see your marriage change. You can see your house change. You can see everything move in a moment because Jesus Christ is King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Amen. The Bible tells us in Isaiah chapter 52 verse 7, how beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news, who proclaims peace, who brings glad tidings of good things, who proclaims salvation, who says to Zion, your God reigns. I want to say to today, very quickly here, Jesus reigns. Why? Because he's risen. You see, death, it was not possible, the Bible tells us, for death to keep him. It was not possible for death to come against him. Why? Because he gave his life, but he was perfect in all of his ways. In 1 Corinthians 15, 20, the Bible says, But now Christ is risen from the dead and has become the first fruits of those things who have fallen asleep. For since by man came death, by man also came resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ all shall be made alive. But each one in his own order, Christ the first fruits, afterward those who are Christ at his coming. Then comes the end when he delivers the kingdom to God the Father and then he puts an end to all to all authority and power. For he must reign till he has put all enemies under his feet. Now let me say something to you real quickly here. He must reign until he puts all enemies under his feet. This is going to be good news because the Bible says it's good news. Why? He's king. He's Lord. Now, you say, well, I've got problems. i got trials. i got struggles. I say, I've got somebody that's king. And if I surrender myself to him, I now, my problems are now his problems. You know, Sometimes, being a country, we have, we have people that travel outside of the sea, outside of the borders. And there's, there's some peace and safety for being an American citizen because people won't mess with you. Because why? Used to be, anyway. People wouldn't mess with you. Why? Because you were an American citizen. And if they, you had problems, they had problems. You with me this morning? I'm, I'm hurting y'all. I know y'all got stuff in the oven. Hold on. I'm going somewhere. And so when you turn yourself over to Christ, you bring all of your problems to the throne. 
and you bring all of your hang-ups to the throne and you bring all of your trials and all of your addictions and all of your depression and all of your anxiety and all of your drugs and all of your pain and all of your struggle in life and you bring it to the throne and God says, bring it to me. I'm not telling you to keep it away from me. I'm telling you, if you got problems, I got problems. If you've got pain, I've got pain. If you've got sin, I'm going to take that sin. Why? Because he says, I'm going to reign. And when I reign, I'm going to step into your trial. I'm going to step into your struggle. And I'm going to put it under my feet because I'm alive and I'm well. And if you got problems, you're going to have victories. And if you got situations, you're going to overcome. Why? Because I am king and I will not allow anything in my presence that will overcome any one of my children. When we have problems, he has problems and he has solutions. We come to him and we say we don't know what to do and we don't know where to go and we don't know what to say. And we tell the Lord Jesus, God, this is my petition. This is my problem. And the Bible says right here in 1 Corinthians 15, it says he's going to reign until every enemy of his is under his feet. I'm telling you, he's sitting on the throne right now because you haven't turned your problem over to him. And he's going to wait there until you say, here it is, Jesus. I can't take this anymore. I can't go there anymore. This trial's in my family. This problem's coming against my house. I don't know what to do and I don't know what to say and I lay it at your feet and he says that's what I needed to hear and now he steps in and he says okay here comes your victory. Here comes what you've been longing for and hoping for and it's going to be the way I want it because I'm king. Living according to where Christ has called you and listening to what his voice, it's surrendering and saying, I surrender my will, I surrender my plan, I surrender my design to you, Jesus. And I give it over to you so that you can reign over the struggles over my life. Then, verse 24 of 1 Corinthians 15, then comes the end. When he delivers the kingdom to God the Father, when he puts an end to all, praise God, puts an end to all rule and all authority and power, for he must reign till he's put all enemies under his feet. The last enemy that will be destroyed is death, for he has put all things under his feet. For when he says all things are put under him, it is evident that he who put all things under him is expected, accepted. Now, when all things are made subject to him, then the Son himself will also be subject to him who puts all things under him, that God may be all in all. We close out this morning with this thought, this process here. You and I, we all have the biggest problem. That's death. Inside of us, we have what, it, what science tells us is that our bodies just stop making the stuff that keeps us young. And our bodies slowly start to deteriorate and die. We can't solve it. We can't fix it. We try to put all kinds of stuff in it. We have surgeries to put hair that's back here. I have beautiful hair. Eric's got it now. It's gone. I got nothing. 
I showed my wife, never show your wife your problems. I showed her my problems. She said, oh, babe, I'm sorry. <laughs> Life begins to deteriorate. It happens. It happens. But you got to understand the process here. I have a hope. Because I put myself under his rule. And I said, not my plans, Jesus, but yours. You get the glory in my life. You get the honor. You get the praise. And the moment I release my life to him, all of my failures become his trial. And guess what God does? The Bible says he turns it all for my good. How did that happen? Because he's God. And he goes far beyond what we could even imagine. You say, well, he's never going to be able to rescue my family. Yes, he can. He's never going to be able to do this work. Yes, he can. He's never going to be able to do this. Why? Because he's already done it thousands of times before, and he can do it again. It's not that this thing is new. It's just that you haven't surrendered to him yet. Mm. It's not that we're making this thing up brand new. It's been going on for 2,000 years. Listen, if this was a lie, there would, there, there would have been people a long time ago that have refuted it, and we wouldn't be standing here today. We're nobody standing around, looking around, and, and, and talking about all f- former dignitaries today in certain areas of, of unknown countries in the Middle East of 4,000 years ago and 3,000 years ago. But there are people all around the world, over a billion plus people right now across this planet are today saying he is risen he's alive he's alive he's alive when you surrender to him you are allowing him to take over and that means when i surrender to the king i'm giving all of my trouble to the king and the king gets to take control of my trial you see i'm stuck in a foreign world right now it's a land of this place right here I can't escape. There's nothing I can do. And death is ready to take me. But I surrendered my life to the king. And now my problem is his problem. And he says, you breathe your last. I'm still going to be there to rescue you. Still going to be there to deliver you. Still going to be there to set you free. You've been listening to A Great Light, the radio ministry of Pastor Larry Sterling. East Point Church of God. We're located at 379 Avenue A, East Point, Florida. Our service times are 11 a.m. and 6 p.m. on Sundays and 7 p.m. on Wednesdays. Until next week, let's join together to spread the light of Christ.